Welcome to Inside the Chamber. I'm Nikki Anderson, the President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. Today our show will focus on immigration. We hear about it on the news and in the different media formats, but today we'll be discussing what's really happening with immigration and its impact on business and our communities. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust. So thank you all so much for, for joining me today. Um, Becca, I'm going to start with you. Why is re immigration reform important? Sure. Well, first, thank you, Nikki, for um, inviting me to be part of this panel. And the Naperville Chamber has been a critical member of the Illinois Business Immigration Coalition. Um, so in this moment that we're in with um, below 4% unemployment, and you know, a couple of days ago, the Pew Research Center just released that the fertility um, rate in America is drastically dropping. So we have a workforce shortage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have members, and probably Ben can attest to this too, that have you know 35 positions open in a manufacturing company that they haven't been able to fill for many months. Mm -hmm. And so, given our workforce shortage and low unemployment rate, um, we need immigrants. We need immigrants um, at the high skill level, low skill level. Um, and uh, you know, a strong workforce is a strong economy. And so I think for, for this moment, uh, we critically need immigration reform so that we can bring people out of the shadows who are working um, in agriculture, in hospitality, in manufacturing, and also attract more talent at the high skill level, our engineers, our doctors, um, to stay here, uh, people that we educate here, to be able to stay here and contribute to here. Um, because, I mean, at the end of the day, if we want our economy to continue to grow, um, we need a robust workforce. So I think, um, in a nutshell, that's why we need immigration reform. Completely agree. Um, so let's talk about who are the undocumented. Um, because I think there's kind of, you know, we talk about stereotypes all the time. So, Beata, what, who's, who, who are those people? Well, the, the number that's thrown out most often is that there are around 11 to 12 million undocumented people in the United States. Um, they have an interesting demographic. Um, for example, um, it's assumed that, for example, that they mostly enter the United States illegally through the border. But the vast majority of them did not. The vast majority of them entered through a lawful port of entry, an airport or other port of entry, and overstayed, approximately two-thirds of them. And that number is actually increasing. Um, approximately 60% of them are from Mexico, but a growing percentage of them are actually coming from Asia. Um, they are mostly homeowners. They're mostly educated. Uh, most of them have high school degrees. Um, most of them actually attend religious services on a weekly basis. And interestingly, the majority of them are actually less likely to commit crimes than U.S. native-born citizens. Interesting. And I think that's a stereotype that, exactly. that we might have heard, too. Um, and we forget these, you know, we have highly educated. And again, not to just, you know, speak to the agricultural need or the manufacturing, but also our high-skilled workers and, and mm -hmm. how important that is. Um, so, Ben, what... Why can't immigrants just get legal, right? Wouldn't that make just life easier for everybody, right? Well, the, the easy answer, <laughs> uh, the, the easy answer, unfortunately, is there's just a lack of action on the federal level. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the state of Illinois, we've had legislation come through. Trust Act was signed into law last year that helps provide some certainty there. 
you know, for the business community and really anybody, what, what we're looking for is certainty. Mm -hmm. What is the certainty of the environment? What is the ability to hire people for a variety of positions? Uh, but when you look at the way that we currently have our visa system set up, it is very hard caps. It's not set up to adapt to market needs, uh, whatever those needs may be. And as you talk to lawmakers, they'll always say, well, you know, if we do that, we're going to lose out on all these jobs. As Becca pointed out at the start of this, unemployment's at a record low, and we mm -hmm. still have member organizations across the state that can't fill these positions. Mm -hmm. But those hard caps and a variety of visa programs prevent them from really expanding their workforce pool. Um, so what is a, a temporary protected status or TPS? What is that? Sure. So that's been in the news right. a lot. And um, so TPS um, has been in place for the last 30, 40 years. And what it does is that it after um, somebody is rigorously screened, um, and a lot of times in you know countries like Nicaragua um, or Haiti, um, as a result of a natural disaster or a war, um, and you know multiple layers of screening, they're admitted into this country, um, and they've been on this temporary status, you know, for several years that they've been able to renew. And so, for some of our members, for example, in South Florida, um, the hospitality industry is fully dependent on um, workers that are on, are on TPS, and they're able to legally work on a work permit. Um, and, and unfortunately, because of the administration's you know, several rounds of cutting and repealing this particular category of legal immigration, you know, we've seen our members in agriculture and hospitality losing critical um, workforce and you know without a workforce they can't open additional plans they can't hire they can't um, expand and they can collect you know the states where they're in can collect these taxes um, so it's not a good situation for for anyone right mm -hmm. so um, Ben let's talk a little bit about the impact on the business community um, on our economy what what happens with all of this unsettledness right that's happening well, some of it comes back to just the lack of relationships. Mm. Uh, Illinois is a center for international trade. Uh, we have more flights connecting us to anywhere in the world than I think anywhere else in, in North America. Uh, a lot of those connections came because you had immigrant populations that naturally just came to the center of the country. Uh, so you have relationships that go back decades or farther. Uh, as you look at the uncertainty as it goes forward, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, uh, who we've partnered with on this issue, has uh, identified that the economic impact in Illinois over the next 10 years, if the issue remains unresolved, is uh, a little over $4 billion in lost mm -hmm. GDP and a population loss of uh, additional population loss on top of what we already experience of about 15,000 people. That's a very big impact uh, for a state that you know, has a lot of uh, other issues going on that are trying to be addressed that we can do within the state of Illinois. This issue uh, yeah, I think you look nationwide, and it's well over $100 billion of, of economic impact, not to mention you know, what some of those unseen consequences are, uh, such as a lack of new ideas, a lack of new connections. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, O'Hare Airport, for instance, is always talking about new flights added, new flights added. Well, those flights come because tourists come here, people come and visit family here, see the kind of opportunity and, and uh, experiences we have, and want to be connected to that. Mm -hmm. When you have the uncertainty in this area, you really limit the flow of uh, those types of experiences for people. Sure. Um, Beata, what do you think is the biggest myth when it <laughs> comes to um, 
immigration reform. Than there are many. I already mentioned that you know the immigrant population commits more crimes, for example. But I think the biggest one um, is that there is a line. You know, why don't these people just get in line? Why don't they just legalize their status? Well, the fact is that we have 11 million undocumented people because there is no path for legalized status for those people. Um, the you know the first the system is set up in a way where you need a sponsor typically in order to receive a green card residency in the United States. And for many of these individuals, they don't have that employer sponsor or that family sponsor because only certain family members can actually sponsor an individual. Most often though, even if an individual has the requisite family member to sponsor them, such as a spouse that's a citizen or a parent that's a citizen, those individuals are not actually eligible because of the way our immigration system is set up. A person who enters illegally into the United States is simply not eligible for a green card unless they depart the United States and remain outside of the United States typically for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some exceptions, but the vast majority of them simply are not eligible and do not qualify, even if they're spouses of a citizen or children of a citizen. Interesting. And Nikki, if I may yeah. build on that a little bit for the employer side, most of the businesses that are in Illinois and really across the country are small and medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. They don't have these massive legal apartments who have individuals whose job it is to work through this process. Mm -hmm. We've had a number of small and medium businesses that are uh, members of ours reach out to us trying to hire somebody from the University of Illinois, from Northern Illinois, from one of the universities downtown, and they don't have the time, the knowledge uh, to go through that, or in many cases, they don't have the financial resources uh, to hire outside counsel and be able to work through that. Right. So now there's a lot of these individuals that come here that want to learn from these institutions in the state of Illinois mm -hmm. that can't stay here, mm -hmm. uh, not because they've made one of these violations, but because you know they just aren't able to make the right connection to the right business that has those resources, which, mm. again, it's a lot of those small and medium businesses that pay that price because they don't have the ability to navigate that. Well, I think I'd like to add on to that, that on the uh, skilled and unskilled, mostly on the uh, skilled part, um, the uh, system is set up so that there are limitations for how many uh, green cards can be issued to employment-based applicants per year. And uh, there's a further limitation on uh, the country that the person is coming from. 7% of the total uh, number of green cards that can be issued for employment-based applicants each year can only go to citizens of one particular country. Um, and so because we have so many individuals from China and India, those individuals are waiting often decades. Um, and so the system is set up in a way where individuals are prohibited from actually benefiting and, and applying for residency for many, many years, um, and we're forcing them to leave, essentially sending that those skills outside of the United and States. And I think, Piata, we you were at um, an event that, that we were hosting, and there was a couple there that were worked at Fermilab, mm -hmm. scientists, and they were, it was a husband and wife, and I think he was uh, granted um, status here, but his wife wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so now they were talking about leaving and going back home. Mm -hmm. right. And here we have these brilliant people, wonderful contributors to our community, to the region, and, and they're, they're gonna leave. And I think that's, you know, we talk about the unskilled, but I think we don't talk very much about our, our skilled, our, the educated, um, and kind of the misnomer surrounding that, right? Yeah. Because we want them to stay here and buy homes and right. raise their children here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that that is something we, I know in, in our circles that we need to talk more about. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go back to um, low-skilled workers or just the perception of welfare, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We hear, oh my gosh, they're usurping our welfare system, which really isn't in the, the, the case at all, right? Right, I mean, so they're contributing way more than they draw from because oftentimes 
if you're undocumented, you're ineligible, right, for food stamps, welfare, health care. One of the major myths about undocumented immigrants is um, the issue around welfare. And the reality is undocumented immigrants are ineligible to apply for food stamps, uh, health care, and, um, and they actually contribute a lot more to the, um, our uh, Social Security uh, trust fund than they draw from. And so according to Social Security, um, you know, annually undocumented immigrants have contributed over $40 billion into the fund, of which they're ineligible to draw from. And um, you know, to Biala's point earlier, right, if there is a path um, for legal status that they gain from a family member or an employer later in life, um, if they've actually drawn from welfare, they become ineligible. So um, an undocumented person, you know, it's a self-deterrent for them not to do that. And in Illinois alone, uh, we collect about $780 million in state and federal taxes from undocumented workers. So. Interesting, interesting. I'd love to continue this conversation. Um, it's so interesting and so important. We'll be right back. Naperville Bank and Trust has the expertise, knowledge, and experience to help you reach your business goals. We would prefer to work with somebody like Naperville Bank and Trust. They're engaged in the community, they're able to help meet our financial needs, they understand us as a business. They provide all the tools that you would ask uh, that we as a growing business need of a bank. Most importantly to me, it's a, a great personal relationship we have with Tom and John and, and our bankers. It was the best thing we could have done in banking. And banking can be very cold. What the bank brings to us is, is that warm feeling when you come into the bank and people say, hi, Greg. It's about being part of the community again, about being a name again, about having credit for who your business is instead of just being, well, instead of just being a number. Naperville Bank and Trust, bring it home. Something that I'd like to know a little bit more about, we hear um, the process that employers need to go through that includes E-Verify. Um, ben, can you help educate our viewers a little bit on, on E-Verify? Yeah, just on a, a very high level, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's electronic verification. It's making sure that as you're hiring somebody, they've gone through the appropriate steps, that you're not at risk of uh, you know, some of the incidents we've heard about with law enforcement coming through. Uh, and it's something that came about uh, really in the last decade or so and has been built on uh, and provides certainty uh, to the employers. Again, you don't want to have the uncertainty of how long is somebody going to be here? Do I have to worry about additional uh, consequences of hiring that individual? And it's something that businesses of all sizes uh, can take advantage of. Uh, but even that has its limits, as we've talked about already. You have these hard caps on the number of people you're able to bring in. Uh, when you look at some of those businesses that hire people and want to use that, a lot of it's seasonal. Right. By the time you get to the growing season in Illinois, it's already been the growing season in other parts of the country for several months. Or uh, we heard about the, the limitations on the employer side. Like it's, 
it's one tool and one thing that's available to, available to help after the fact, but it doesn't help us really on the front end of getting those individuals in. Right. Um, I'm not sure that this is a question you can answer now, but I, you know, if we look in a, um, you know, look at the into the future and do a crystal ball and say, what would happen over the next five years if nothing gets done? What kind of impact do we see that having? I mean, not only from a personal perspective, families and so on, but from an economic perspective, um, not having anything done, let's say in, in five years, what might that look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we, um, in five years, and I think it's something that we're already seeing now, that um, people that are creating jobs here and but aren't able to secure an H-1 visa, um, or secure legal status are moving elsewhere, mm -hmm. right? They're taking their investors and um, the uh, product they've created to countries like Canada, or, you know, there was a story in the LA Times of um, entrepreneurs and business owners um, who are Mexican taking their business back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And so, like, as we see globally, um, countries are becoming stronger and the marketplace is, um, is, is robust in their countries of origin, you know, people are, are moving back. And as um, uh, other countries are responding to our anti-immigrant um, atmosphere by uh, creating policies mm -hmm. and that, that will welcome um, these entrepreneurs. So um, we're seeing it now, and I think this is going to continue to grow if we don't have a legislative solution in Congress. Well, and building off that a little bit, we've heard stories from individuals about how they've gone home uh, to their home country, visited family, and they've mentioned that they've used a particular American product or service, and their family uh, will then use that product or service. So if you're buying something like an automobile, heavy machinery, manufacturing type products, Keep in mind, you're not just buying the item one time. You're buying the parts, the service, everything that goes into that long term. Often the familiarity that came with somebody being here in the U.S. working with that you know, piece of equipment. Those are long-term economic impacts that we can't see. And I know the, the $4.5 billion number I referenced earlier comes from the U.S. Chamber over 10 years. But over five years, just for the state of Illinois, that's $2.5 billion loss in GDP, which, as we're talking broadly in the state about the impact of things like property taxes, income taxes. Mm -hmm. How does that hurt your bottom line and the additional strain you're putting on the rest of the state to make up in that two and a half to $5 billion loss uh, over the next 10 years? Right. Yeah, it's, 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 so, it's so complex. So what's the solution? <laughs> I mean, what, what do we need to see happen? I mean, obviously, we need to see our legislators come together and and you know, create a process that, that makes sense for everybody. Do we see that happening? I mean, I'd like to ask the question, why don't we? But that would be a whole other show. Um, so I, I guess, what's the, what's the optimistic view of this, mm -hmm. if there is one at this point? I can't speak to how likely something is to pass, but the solution truly is comprehensive reform. We need multiple levels of reform. We obviously need to deal with the undocumented population. It does not make sense economically, socially, to have 11 million people living in the shadows, You know, many of whom were children when they were brought to the United States. We need to legalize their status. We also need a set of immigration laws that recognizes our economic needs. Mm -hmm. You know, we um, The vast majority of our graduate students in STEM fields are international students, but we don't have a system in place to keep them after they graduate. Uh, so we need H-1B visa reform and perhaps other visas and, and, and reform to our uh, green card system for employment-based applicants that would allow those individuals to stay and not wait 
decades to obtain residency. Uh, we also need reform with our low-skilled uh, system. You know, we need we have an agricultural uh, visa, but it's limited in number and incredibly compli complicated. Mm. Um, we need a system in place for non-seasonal workers. We don't have a visa for um, unskilled non-seasonal workers. It simply doesn't exist. So employer, employers who work in construction have difficulty finding workers and there simply is no visa for that uh, industry. Um, and so, so we really need a, a, a full uh, reform package. So you were talking about agricultural workers, and what was the report? What percentage? Yeah, so according to the American Farm Bureau, it's 72% of agricultural workers are undocumented right. um, in our country. And um, yeah, I agree with Biada, and I would just add that it doesn't look like we're going to see any um, kind of productive uh, legislative uh, action before the elections, but what we're hoping for, and um, you know, we need everybody's help, is that after the elections, Congress needs to get to work. And you know, right now, as at least when we talk to members of Congress, is that they hear from the um, maybe you know ten of the most like vociferous people in their district, uh, whether they support or oppose an issue. And the sort of the middle, the sensible middle, is usually pretty quiet. And so we encourage people um, that you know we hope you support the issue. You see the um, the economic, the moral reasons for this, and contact your member of Congress. Let them know you know we we need you to step up and get this done. Um, and I think that's that's the only way. And yeah. you know it's worth noting earlier this year there was uh, in the U.S. Congress a discharge petition that was out there to try to bring one of the more comprehensive approaches forward. Mm -hmm. uh, they eventually brought forward a, a handful of bills, one of which was uh, sponsored by Representative Goodlatte of, uh, I believe, Ohio, that was comprehensive, that did try to establish a path to citizenship, that did look at reformatting the visas to be more uh, supply and demand based. Uh, it had language in there to secure the border, which oftentimes is a very mm -hmm. vague and high level thing uh, that opponents of immigration reform will, will throw out there. And I don't think any of those things individually are things that people are necessarily uh, disagreeing with, but the understanding the education uh, is a big part of that as well. You know, for the Illinois Chamber of Commerce, we talk to a lot of lawmakers, state and federal, who will say, "Well, I'm only hearing from the Illinois Business Immigration Coalition, from the Naperville Chamber, from the Illinois Chamber, whomever." You know, we encourage our member organizations. You don't have to be out there day in and day out lobbying these members, mm -hmm. but when you have the opportunity to engage with them, talk to them about the experiences you've had. Talk to them about the employee that you didn't get that now works for you know some big company out of. Singapore or Beijing or you know wherever it may be because they couldn't get the resources or they weren't able to stay here. You know those types of individual stories go so much farther uh, oftentimes than the economic data can just because you now have a name and face like the, the couple you mentioned where the wife was unsure. You know those are the types of stories to get out there. Right, wonderful. Um, if I think part of the conversation is I, my goal is always to educate, right? People need to be educated and to have an understanding because otherwise it's just kind of what you read and, and how to decide fact from fiction. Um, but where do people go to get educated to learn um, whether they're, they're in the throes of this, whether they have a spouse or a family member, or they just personally want to learn um, more about the topic of immigration and immigration reform? Where would you go? I mean, I know. But <laughs> uh, I'll let you all tell where you guys, you all believe is, is just solid resource sure. information. Um, so and we have a website, um, IllinoisBIC.biz, and we um, 
have a lot of uh, economic data from different industries in different regions of Illinois. Um, and then, you know, we get a lot of our research from the Illinois Chamber, the U.S. Chamber as well. And so we um, are very, um, like, strict about sticking to the facts, right? Mm -hmm. This is how it impacts employers. This is how it impacts our state and our country. So that would be a good place. Great. Yeah. yeah. And for us, it's a lot of information from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. This really is a federal issue. We want to make sure that we're getting the right information out there. You know, they've been very good to work with, with that kind of information. Uh, but we do try to distill it down as best we can to the, the state and the local impacts here as well. Great. And beyond, I know as an immigration attorney, right? I, I um, often turn to, I agree that uh, IBIC is a wonderful organization. has a lot of information on their website. But um, the American Immigration Council is a nonprofit that does a lot of research beyond the economic impact um, about um, the statistics of the immigrant population and, and their makeup and, and various other demographics. And, and they have a lot of resources on their website. Great. Um, in, in closing, I'd like each of you to share what, what to you is the, the most important piece of, of immigration reform. Um, whether it's just getting it done or if there's something that if someone sat down in front of you and knew nothing about it, what would be the one thing you would want them to know? <laughs> Immigrants are people. You know, um, and, and often I think they're better versions of ourselves because these are people who uprooted their lives, whether it was because of violence in their home country or for better economic opportunities, and um, came to the United States and chose us. Um, and we should be welcoming, um, you know, and listen to their stories and be open um, without just uh, automatically assuming that they're criminals or um, thugs or something like that. Well, and I would add, it's, it, it's a people issue at its core, but it's not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. Uh, it is a business issue, as we've talked about. And as I mentioned, when you have the certainty, when you know who your employees are, who your employer is, you establish roots, you have so much more certainty that comes with that, which you know, makes you more inclined to stay in an area, invest in that area, attend those schools, really become part of the community, uh, which has long-lasting benefits that I know Naperville and a lot of towns in DuPage County and even Kane County have seen. So it's, it's the certainty that comes from it. Right. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both Ben and Beata. And I guess I would just say participate. Make your own voices heard, right? I mean, I think that, um, you know, what's really good, one of the really good things about the last couple of years is that, you know, people are angry on both sides. And, you know, they're actively put participating in our democracy and which is one of the reasons why you know the immigrants that Bia talks about why we're here um, right because we want to have a say in our own destiny and I think this November and beyond that people need to talk to their elected officials and go to the polls and make their voices heard yeah and I think that's probably um, a scary one for people is that they they're not really sure to go where to go mm -hmm. um, and that's when they come to the Naperville Chamber or the Illinois Chamber um, and ask those questions on uh, about whatever topic it might be, including immigration, um, mm -hmm. because the more you know, the more you can grow and share with other people. So thank you all so much for being here. This was a fascinating conversation and one that will, mm -hmm. will continue, um, and I appreciate your leadership on this. Thank you for joining us for Inside the Chamber. We hope you found the information in today's program valuable. Please join us again for our monthly programs and in the meantime, remember, when you're looking to shop or dine or for a service, think Chamber and visit Naperville.net to support the Chamber of Commerce and our business community. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust.